Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Well, hello and uh, welcome to Kindred. Happy Easter. It's great to be with you. For those of you that I haven't met, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And whether this is your first time to tune in and worship with us or you're a longtime Kindred member uh, or anything in between, it is good to to be together uh, as we celebrate Easter. Uh, Our scripture for today is from Luke chapter 24. And we are going to be reading verses 1 through 12. And it says this. Uh, Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing the fragrant spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming bright clothing. The women were frightened and bowed their faces toward the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but he's been raised. Remember what he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the human one must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. When they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles." Well, their words struck the apostles as nonsense, and they didn't believe the women. But Peter ran to the tomb, and when he bent over to look inside, he saw only the linen cloth. And then he returned home, wondering what had happened. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, uh, don't take this the wrong way. I don't mean this as an insult, but you are kind of weird. And here's how I know that you're weird. Out of all of the things that you could be doing right now, you have chosen to tune in to this service so that you could hear about and celebrate this story of a Jewish rabbi from 2,000 years ago who rose from the dead. That's a pretty weird thing to do. Now, some of you may be thinking, hey, buddy, uh, this wasn't my idea. You know, my, my mom is making us watch this service before we can have Easter lunch. Or uh, my friend sent me the link to this podcast and just won't stop nagging me uh, about it. So I'm not as weird as the rest of you people. If that's you, uh, I see you. I sympathize. Try to uh, wrap this up in a, a timely fashion and, and get you on your way. But if that is you, uh, I'm so glad that you're listening to this because what we're going to talk about today uh, is, is still relevant to you, uh, even if you're not buying this whole uh, Easter thing. Uh, so wherever we are at in terms of our belief in this story, uh, I think we can all agree celebrating Easter is just kind of an objectively weird thing to do. So the question is, why do we do this weird thing? Uh, th- this story of this Jewish rabbi from 2,000 years ago who rose from the dead, uh, why do we keep celebrating this uh, over and over year after year? Why is this such a big deal to us uh, as Christians? Well, the reason that we do this weird thing is because if this story is actually true, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, then that changes everything. It changes you. It changes me. 
it really changes the entire universe. And, and here's why. If Jesus really did rise from the dead, that means that he is who he says he is. And if Jesus is who he says he is, that means that everything that he taught us, all of it is actually true. And uh, just to kind of summarize, because this is really incredible to, to think about, uh, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, that means all the amazing things that he taught us about God, uh, all of that is actually true. That uh, the God of the universe is love and that God cares deeply for the downtrodden and the hopeless and the marginalized. All of that is true. Uh, and, and if Jesus really did rise from the dead, it means that all of the amazing things that he taught us about people, all of that is actually true, that, that all people are loved by God, that all people have sacred worth, that people who've been silenced and oppressed uh, and excluded, those people have a special place in God's heart. And God is working, even as we speak, to, to bring about justice. God is with them. God is for them. God is working as we speak to make all things right. For all people, all of that is true. If Jesus really did rise from the dead, it means that all the amazing things he taught about you are true. That you are a child of God. That you are made in God's image. That there is literally nothing, not even death, that could ever separate you from God's love for you. I mean, the, the bottom line is that if Jesus really did rise from the dead, it, it means that love wins. It means that the power of love is actually stronger than evil and sin and hate and even death itself. If this Easter story is true, it means that in the end, no matter what, love wins. Now, I don't know about you, I think all of that is beautiful. And my guess would be that most of us would say that we want all of that to be true, but all of that leaves us with this big question, right? This question of, yeah, but... Yeah, but did Jesus really rise from the dead? Is the Easter story actually true? And here's where many of us start to feel some tension, right? Because if we're honest, even if we want to believe it, this Easter story is kind of hard to believe, to, to put it mildly. And there's a bunch of different reasons for that. But the main reason is that uh, all of us know dead people don't come back to life. That's just not something that happens. And so when we hear a story like this, at the very least, it raises some major questions. And I know that for many of us, it also provokes some serious doubts as well. Uh, in fact, I bet that for some of you, uh, this is the reason why you stopped doing church at a certain point in your past. Because you would, you would show up to church and you would be in this room full of people and uh, you're, you're looking around you and everybody is singing about Jesus and somebody gets up and reads a story about Jesus and, and it seems like everybody is nodding their head and everybody is saying amen and it feels like you're the only person in the room who has questions about this stuff. It feels like you're the only person in the room who, have, who has doubts. And there is, there's just nothing worse than being in a room full of people and feeling like you're all alone. And so at a certain point, you decided, I'm not doing this anymore. Maybe I'll show up on Easter or tune into church on Easter or something like that, but, but I'm just kind of done with church. Uh, if any of that describes your experience uh, of church, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm so sorry for that. But I'm here to tell you 
that you are not alone. Certainly not at this church. Because the truth is, all of us have questions. And all of us have doubts. And I think that if any Christian ever tells you that they never have questions and they never have doubts, then that person is either very gullible or they're just not being honest with you. So if you're somebody who feels like you've got more questions than answers and more doubts than than faith, you are not uh, alone. The point is, in one way or another, at one time or another, uh, all of us wonder, is the Easter story true? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? So here's what I want us to see uh, this morning, because this has been so helpful to me. I hope this is helpful to you as well. Uh, As it turns out, um, even Jesus's very first disciples, I mean, the the people in the Easter story, uh, the people who were there, the people who documented this story for us, even the very first disciples had questions and doubts. And as we're going to see in just a minute, Um, They had actually some of the same questions and doubts that you and I still have today. But part of what I find so compelling about this Easter story, and one of the reasons that I believe that this is actually true, is not just because those first disciples believed it, uh, but it's the, the way that they came to believe. It's how they came to believe. So I want to spend a few minutes with you here uh, looking at this story and paying attention to how it is that those first disciples came to believe that it was true. And uh, if you already know that you're not buying any of this, uh, that's okay. Don't tune me out completely because it's still a fascinating story and it'll give you something you can argue about uh, with your family over lunch. Uh, So here's the story. Here's the story. Uh, A few days before Easter, uh, it was Thursday, and uh, late on that Thursday night, Jesus was with the disciples, and they were out in this garden uh, just outside the city walls of Jerusalem. And while they were out there, um, these guards come out to arrest Jesus. Now, why would anybody want to arrest a nice guy like Jesus? Well, over the, the past uh, week, Jesus had been going around Jerusalem uh, preaching these very public, very scathing sermons in which he critiqued the Jerusalem leaders as being corrupt, as being unfaithful, as being abusive to the people that they were supposed to be leading. And uh, some of the folks in Jerusalem thought that was great, but the leaders were really sick and tired of it. And so finally, they just had Jesus arrested. So they sent these guards out on this Thursday night to the garden to arrest Jesus. Well, uh, the guards are coming and Jesus sees them coming, but he does something completely unexpected. Uh, As the guards roll up here, Jesus makes no attempt to run. Jesus makes no attempt to resist. He just holds his hands out and allows himself to be arrested. Nobody saw that coming. Well, in that moment, as Jesus is being arrested, the disciples who were there with him, they have a choice to make. So on the one hand, they could stick by Jesus' side, that they could allow themselves to be arrested with Jesus, to stay with him. Ultimately, they could go to the cross next to Jesus, or, or they could cut bait and run and abandon Jesus. Now, I know most of you probably know the story, so you know what happens. Uh, all of the disciples choose abandonment. Even Peter, who is the leader of the disciples, he's like Jesus' best friends, right after Jesus gets arrested, almost immediately, Peter starts denying that he ever even knew Jesus. 
Now, I want to pause the story for a second here so that we can see something uh, very important. Uh, on the surface, it might look like the reason these disciples abandoned Jesus was to save their own skin out of fear for their own well-being. And that certainly may have been uh, a part of it, but there was something deeper going on. Ultimately, the reason that all the disciples abandoned Jesus is because when they watched him just hand himself over, when they watched him just allow himself to get arrested with no running, no resisting, all of a sudden the disciples just didn't believe anymore. You know, prior to that, they had thought Jesus was the Messiah. They thought he was the Son of God. They thought he was the Savior of the world. That's why they had devoted their lives to, to following him. And Jesus had told them in different ways that he was the Messiah and the Son of God and the Savior of the world. But if any of that was true then he would not have just let himself get arrested. He wouldn't have just let his enemies win like that. And so the disciples abandoned Jesus because suddenly they just don't believe anymore. Well, then Friday morning, just hours later, Jesus ends up getting crucified and he dies. And when that happened, that just seemed to confirm it. That just seemed to really prove that Jesus was not who he said he was. Because if he was the Messiah, if he was the Son of God, if he was the Savior of the world, surely he wouldn't have been put to death. And so when Jesus died, any shred of faith that his disciples had left died with him. And nobody, and I mean nobody, expected to see Jesus again. Certainly nobody expected to hear from Jesus again. They didn't have modern science back then. But they didn't need modern science to know what all of us know, which is that dead people don't come back to life. So when Jesus died, it was all over. It was all over. Now, if the story ended there, what would have happened? Well, the disciples would have gone back home. They would have moved on with their lives. And you and I would have never even heard the name Jesus. Uh, in fact, there was actually some other wannabe messiahs around this same time who had very similar stories. I mean, kind of like Jesus. They had followers and they had believers. And then sort of like Jesus, they wound up getting killed. And as soon as that happened, their followers scattered and, and they all just moved on with their lives. And the only people who know those wannabe messiahs names today are historians. And the same should be true for Jesus of Nazareth, but it's not. So why do all of us know Jesus's name today. Well, fast forward from Friday when Jesus dies to Sunday morning, Sunday morning. And at this point, uh, the disciples are still in Jerusalem and they're, they're hiding out and they're afraid that if the authorities find them out and about and identify them as followers of Jesus, then they could meet the same fate that Jesus did. They could get arrested. They could get killed. Uh, they don't want that. So they're, they're laying low, waiting for an opportunity to, to get out of the city. And I'm sure as they're huddled together, they're just processing everything they've been through and processing their grief and their disappointment of, of having their, their hope and their faith just shattered over the last several days. Well, early uh, on that Sunday morning, as, as all of that is going on, uh, one of the female disciples, whose name is Mary Magdalene, this is not Mary, Jesus' mother, different Mary, Mary Magdalene and some other women in their group, they end up sneaking out to go to the tomb. And their intention is to go and anoint Jesus' body with spices. And in that culture, this was part of the burial ritual. It was kind of part of the process of saying your final goodbyes to uh, a loved one. But you know the story. They, they get to the tomb and they discover that the stone at the entrance of the tomb has been rolled away. That is very strange. So the women poke their head inside the tomb to see what is going on. 
and there's no Jesus inside. There, there is no body in there. Now at that point, did the women throw up their hands and say, Hallelujah, Happy Easter, Jesus is risen? No, not at all. They assume exactly what you or I would assume, that for some reason somebody has come and moved Jesus' body. Well, as they're talking about that, then uh, something really strange happens. Uh, these women get this vision of two angels. Now, I've never had a vision of angels. I'm guessing most of you have never had a vision of angels either. As far as we know, these women had never before had a vision of angels, uh, but they say that's what happens. And the angels explain to them that Jesus is risen from the dead. So is that the moment when, when the women say, Hallelujah, Happy Easter, Jesus is risen? No. Now they're just very, very confused, just like you or I would be very confused if we just had a vision of some angels. So the women, uh, in their confusion, they, they wander back to the other disciples and they tell the other disciples what they had seen. And as they're reporting to the other disciples, is that the moment that all the disciples suddenly believe that he's risen? Is that the moment that everybody just suddenly has like this blind faith? Well, no, not at all. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Did you catch this in the scripture reading a minute ago? Uh, this is amazing. Don't, don't miss this. This is so important. Uh, Luke 24 verse 11 says this. Uh, it says their words, talking about the women telling the other disciples called apostles what, what they had seen at the tomb. Uh, Luke tw uh, 24 11 says their words struck the apostles as what? As good news? No. As true no, their words struck the apostles as nonsense, as nonsense. You see what's going on here? I mean, here we are midway through Easter morning and the disciples still think this whole idea of Jesus being raised from the dead is a bunch of nonsense. So if you are somebody who thinks this whole Easter thing is a bunch of nonsense, the disciples were right there with you. They were right there with you. But then, then something amazing happens. Something extraordinary. And something extraordinary must have happened. That's just a historical fact because somehow these unbelieving disciples, th these disciples who had abandoned Jesus, who had initially dismissed the news of his resurrection as nonsense, these same disciples ended up making a complete 180. Uh, did you know that in the years following Easter, Every single one of these disciples would devote the rest of their lives to spreading the message of Jesus. Uh, almost all of these disciples would go on to willingly allow themselves to be arrested and beaten and tortured for spreading the message of Jesus. And they refused to deny Jesus ever, ever Again, and many of these disciples ended up laying down their lives and dying in order to help more people hear the message of Jesus. So it's just a historical fact. Somehow, these disciples became convinced that Jesus actually is who he says he is after all, that everything he taught was actually true after all, and they were convinced that the world needed to know about it. So how do we explain that complete 180 from being completely unconvinced to being completely convinced. Well, we could uh, speculate about that. We could come up with our own theories through history. Lots of people have. Uh, or we could just listen to the disciples themselves because they tell us exactly 
what happened. They tell us exactly why they made this 180. And basically what they tell us is, look, uh, there's a lot that we don't know. Uh, there is a lot that we can't explain, obviously. But they say, here's what happened uh, that evening of that Sunday night. We're all still hiding out. We're getting ready to have dinner together. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, Jesus just shows up. I mean, he was just like there. And they say, at first we didn't believe it. We thought we were hallucinating. Uh, but, but then we spent time with him. And we talked with him. And we ended up eating with him. And we touched his body with our hands. And we even saw the nail marks in his hands. So it just became really hard to deny that Jesus was risen, that Jesus was actually there. And not only that, they say, but then it happened again. And it happened again and again. Over this period of like 40 days, Jesus just kept on showing up. In fact, one of the early disciples reports that over 500 people ended up seeing the risen Jesus. Now, even if that's an exaggeration, even if that's hyperbole, still a bunch of people swear that they saw the risen Jesus. So that, that is how those first disciples came to believe. That's why they made this 180. And they would tell us, hey, listen, if you have questions, believe us, we get it. If you have doubts, join the club. But they say, we know what we saw. We know what we touched. We know what we experienced. And so we're just convinced that, that as impossible as it sounds, and they knew how impossible it sounded, but as impossible as it sounds, he, he really is risen. He really is risen. And those first disciples knew what that meant. They knew that it means that Jesus is who he says he is after all. It means that God is who Jesus says God is after all. Uh, it means that you are who Jesus says you are after all. It means that in the end, evil will not win, suffering will not win, death will not win, because in the resurrection, Jesus overcame all of that. It means that in the end, love wins and love will always, always win. That's the message that these disciples laid down their lives to share with you and to share with me and to spread all around this entire world. Now, I told you I would try to wrap up in a, a timely fashion here and let you get on with your day. Um, so uh, even though there's so much more we could say about all of this, let me just end uh, here. Uh, regardless of what you think about this Easter story, uh, whatever questions you have, whatever doubts you have, uh, whether you have zero faith in all of this, like the disciples at the beginning uh, of the Easter story, or whether you're convinced like the disciples were after Easter, or you fall somewhere in between, wherever you fall, you belong here in this church community. There's a place for you here in this church community, an important place. And so I want to invite you to, to keep worshiping with us. Keep tuning in online like this. I'd love to see you in in-person worship. For those of you who are local, get involved with us. Uh, come and just give it a try. Just try following Jesus together 
with us, even if you're not so sure about what you believe about all of this. And, and yeah, it's going to involve doing some weird things, no question. Uh, for example, it may involve getting up on a Sunday morning and going to a movie theater to sing songs about Jesus. That is weird, but it is so, so worth it because as you do that, uh, what you're going to find is that over and over, Jesus will make Easter happen for you. That, that over and over, Jesus is going to lead you out of darkness. Jesus is going to lead you away from death. Jesus is going to lead you out of whatever tomb that you find yourself stuck in. And over and over and over again, Jesus is going to raise you up and he's going to give you new life. And as you experience that you might just start to believe that as impossible as it sounds, Jesus really is who he says he is after all. That as impossible as it sounds, this Easter story is actually true. Let me pray for us. Oh, God of love and, and God of life, God of, of resurrection, Thank you for this chance to, to pause and, and meditate on this incredible, incredible story, this fascinating story. Uh, Lord, we're, we're coming to this story from all different places in terms of faith and doubt, and this story is just so mysterious, and it just defies all of our categories and, and leads to so many questions, God. Uh, God, I pray for everybody who's listening to this who uh, is experiencing a ton of doubt. God, help them to know that doubt is okay, help them to know that questions are okay, that, that even Jesus' very first disciples uh, went through that. God, uh, give all of us a renewed sense of confidence in your unconditional love, that wherever we're at in our faith journey, from zero faith to completely convinced, God, you love us just the same, and you keep extending this incredible invitation to, to come and to follow you and to experience your love and to experience the life that you created us for. God, thank you for that gracious invitation. Uh, open our hearts to keep responding to that invitation more and more fully in our lives. Uh, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done for us. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, th friends, th thanks for uh, tuning in uh, today. Just a, a few quick things for you here before we go. Uh, if you are new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you, but I can't do that if I don't have your contact information. So there's a link in the uh, video description or in the podcast description here that says connect. If you click that link, leave me your contact information. I'll reach out to you later this week, and I'd love to just say hey and, uh, and get to know you a little bit. Um, also, as I mentioned in the sermon, uh, we would love to see you in in-person worship, those of you that are local. I know online worship is convenient and it's great in a whole lot of ways, no question, uh, but there's just no substitute for getting in the same room with other believers and other doubters and other skeptics and, and wrestling with this stuff and celebrating this stuff together in the same space. Uh, so if you're local, uh, get on our website. You can get the details about in-person worship. It's kindrednc.church. Uh, and then finally, this is true every week, but we always post a link to our uh, weekly announcements, which includes updates and uh, ways for you to get involved. You'll see that in the video description or the podcast description here. So uh, check that out. We'd love to get to know you better, and we'd love to see you frequently. Well, again, friends, uh, happy Easter. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Listeners. 
This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.